All right, let's take our Bibles. I'd like for you to meet me in, well, we're going to start in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, but we're going to go through a lot of places in Scripture tonight. The title is Reflections. I just kind of wanted to share with you four things that I think we should constantly reflect on uh, when, we're, when we're going through the Christian life. Um, you know, Remy turned one this year, and, or uh, uh, today, and it's just been so fast. We had a party for her last week, uh, and it was with everybody, you know, good, uh, close family and friends, and we had this little smash cake for her. For those of you that have kids, uh, you know what that is. It's like a little cake just for them, and the intent is for them to just go into that thing and rip it up and just, oh, you know, take the pictures. But Remy, she just like saw all these people, and everybody's like, you know, I can't imagine as a one-year-old, you just see a bunch of people like, huh, go ahead, you know. And it, it kind of, I think she gets, she's a little uh, shy. So she didn't do anything with her smash cake. I took care of that. And I was like, well, we'll just put this over here. And then I was like, that's really good. <laughs> like, we should have a big adult version for that, you know, for mom and dad, I guess. But when we were doing that, it was like, she just was kind of out of her element. Well, today, when we got home, we had a little cupcake for her. And, you know, we were singing and all that. And, and she got into that cupcake the whole thing. I mean, it was not, didn't have to do like, watch, look at this. Hey, she was just like, <laughs> ripped it apart, ate it, and you know, and she was just in hog heaven. It was great. She had to take a bath afterwards. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> but you know, I'm sitting there and we're, we're recording and it's just, it's just me and Kyle and Remy and we're just there and I'm, we're, I'm, I'm thinking about all the things that have transpired and how quickly a year has gone by, and, and you know the comparisons between what we were doing, you know, one day before we found out about Remy to what we're doing one day before now. I mean, Kyla signed up for a turkey this year; she'd never cooked it before, and the funeral we had yesterday it was a it was a good time of fellowship, and people stuck around about two and a half three hours the whole thing. So by the time we got home and got Remy in bed, Kyla's working on that turkey at seven o'clock at night. So any of you that have cooked turkeys know it's not a 45-minute thing. We, that turkey came out of the oven, and we had to let it rest. That was 12.15 in the, in the, in the uh, middle of the night. And so we were just kind of like going and going and going, and, you know, Remy's going to get up, 7.30, 8 o'clock. You know that's going to happen. She's not going to go, Mom and Dad are tired. I'm going to give them an extra hour. You know, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> But we were just, you know, we're laughing about how long it was going to take to cook this turkey and how Remy's going to get up the same way. And it was just such a different way. It's been such a different way of life. And I knew what I wanted to talk about tonight were just reflecting on scriptures that have helped us, not because we've gone through difficult times, but just because we're living this Christian life. You know, the life that you're trying to live in Christ is opposed to your nature. I mean, that's going to cause problems. How many of you have woken up on certain days and you're just like, I'm not, we're not doing this today. You don't feel in it. This happened to me yesterday. I just got home and I didn't realize, you know, we had just very emotional day and all these different things. You're talking to people, you're exerting yourself, all this stuff. I got home and I was just cranky dad, man. Just like everything was bothering me. And then I just got upstairs and I laid on the bed for like 20 minutes and then I was like, I feel better. Almost like I needed a little cranky blanky or something. 
But it, it, just, it just hits you. you. You have a sinful nature, and if you're not careful, you, you let that take over. So I think it's good for us to reflect and realize that we all do have bad days, and that's not a bad thing. It's what we do with those days that can turn into a bad thing. But we need these little points of anchor. We need these little soft reminders why we're doing what we're doing. I remember with Remy, we start, you know, she was exposed to a lot, and so we were not sure what kind of first year she would have, especially with babies that um, are exposed to drugs in utero. That first three years is very important. You're going to learn a lot about your child's needs. Um, if there's any kind of learning issues that may come up or cognitive issues, you'll find out. But we didn't know, didn't know what to expect because there was a lot hidden before Remy was born. But that was something that we were always anxious about, the littlest thing. You know, when she started teething, for some reason, it bothered her stomach for the longest time. We were like, is this something going on? What's, what's happening? Is this the drug exposure? Is this just normal life? And you would, it would be very stressful. You have a lot of anxiety. You have a lot of worry. Every single thing that happens, you're like, what is this? Is this normal? Is this a progression? Or is this what she was exposed to? And that gets difficult. I think it was very difficult, especially for my wife, because she's with Remy all the time. You know? And I see Remy when I see her, but not as much as my wife who's taking care of Remy all the time. But it was little times where she would you know, learn how to smile, or she'd learn how to wave at you, or you're just putting her to bed and you're realizing we got a great little kid here. What a blessing this is. And, and regardless if in two or three years we find out, you know, she's going to need care for certain things for a long time, man, we're ready. We're ready to do that. But in the moments you think like, this is the end. This is, this is tough. This is hard. She's going to suffer, whatever it may be. But isn't life full of suffering? I mean, I bet you our parents tried to protect us from things and they still happen to us. But uh, it's not about what we're going through. It's about who's going through these things with us. We have an ever-present God in our lives. He never checks out. He never says, all right, Trent, I'm, I'm done with you for this weekend. I got to go take care of my kids over here. God is with us all the time. I think it's healthy to reflect. I think we should do these things daily in the way that we live. Not to get very introspective and deep for the sake of getting deep, because that's what a lot of Christianity has become today. I've said this many times, those of you who are regular, you understand what I'm about to say here. Christianity has built an idol, and that idol is self. In many ways, it's like we just become the center of our story. And I like what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. What does he say in Galatians 2.20? I'm dead. Christ is alive. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a different approach to life than what you're hearing in modern Christianity today. It's kind of like modern Christianity is like very flavor-driven. You know, it's like, well, I like this flavor, and I like that flavor, and I don't like this flavor, and I really don't prefer that. <clears throat> well, you can't pick and choose with the Scripture. You know, God is going to use you to be a trophy of His grace. Think about all the hardships that you have endured. What a testimony that is for the person who's now going through what you've already been brought through. What a testimony and opportunity that is. But if we build an altar to ourselves, we build an idol in ourselves, well then, who gets the praise, honor, and glory in that? Just us. And it, it dies right there. There's nothing that goes on. So just four things that I want to chat with you, and we're going to go through Scripture. How do we stay afloat when the water keeps rising? 
We're having bad days. We're have, those, those turn into weeks and months. And we're just in this funk. There's like this cloud. We can't get out of it. How do we continue to walk in well-doing? Well, four things I want you to remember. The first thing is to stay thankful. Look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I specifically did not go to this passage this morning, although you would think, well, pastor, you're talking about thankfulness. You would definitely go to this passage. I intentionally did not go there because we covered Ephesians 5.20. And right before that, it talks about doing the will of the Lord. What is the will of the Lord? And we can see here, this is a part of God's will for us is to give thanks in everything. And you can only have that kind of mindset. You can only have that ability if you understand how forgiven you are. I think forgiveness and thankfulness go hand in hand. We're not going to have great days. We're not going to have great weeks. Some days it's going to be real tough. Some days you're going to get stabbed in the back and you are totally justified in feeling betrayed and hurt, and let down. However, the way that you show the love that God showed us is to remember how forgiven you are. That's what changes lives. The world system is, go get your revenge. What somebody does to you, you go do to somebody else. And when God was uh, establishing human government, how man was supposed to rule over one another, there were harsh laws like that because he knows that people need to, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's not an expression from Hollywood. That's something that we see as early as Genesis. Why? Because man is wicked. And if you want to see crime decrease, you start actually holding people accountable for their crimes. That stuff will, will begin to decrease, but we know that man is wicked. We know that man is wicked, and that's just going to increase for all of eternity. But as a believer, as someone who is a redeemed child of God, you have experienced the ultimate forgiveness. You, you realize that? When we share the gospel with people and we share that you can know that you have eternal life and you can never lose it, what's the first thing that people say? But what if I do this and this and this? The gentleman who was here today, I chatted with him afterwards about salvation and eternal security. And there were still some things that just needed to be cleared up naturally because when I asked, is there anything you can do from this point until the day of your death that would make you lost again, that would make you need to get saved again. And he thought, well, yeah, if I do, and then he listed some sin. I thought, well, although that makes sense, here's the goodness of God. He paid for all your sin. And you see, again, he comes to a, a remembrance of, this is how secure my salvation is. It's something that is automatically taken care of for you the moment that you believe, you're saved to the uttermost. That's what I told him. I said, to the uttermost, that's an old word that means to full completion. That's the only way it can be, folks, or else we're just going to prolong our assurance and then die not having enough. We have experienced the ultimate forgiveness. That's how you stay thankful. When, when, when all the circumstances go against you, when you're maligned, either by people of the world or by your brother and sister in Christ, and that's a sad thing, I think that's worse than persecution of the world. Persecution within the brotherhood, with, 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 you know, when another believer hurts another believer, that's just, that's the worst. That's the worst kind of pain. I've experienced that, and it's just 
tough. And you, you show forgiveness and you verbally have said all the right things, but inwardly you are hurt. It's just a tough thing. And in those moments, you got to go to the Savior. You got to go to the Savior and, and know that He has experienced everything that you're going through. And then you have to choose to be satisfied with that. Because everything within you says, go get right, go square up with that person. I'm not saying you fight them, but I'm saying you, you, you settle the score, whatever it is. And even if that happened, you're still hurt. Because that's not the way that we experience relief. We experience relief knowing that I take part in his suffering now. Jesus was perfect. Everything that, to done was, that, that was done to him was not justified. Remember, we've talked about this, about Pilate's wife. He says, I've had nightmares about this man. And Pilate thinks by just judicially removing himself that he's no longer accountable. They still beat him. They still brought him to shame. And he did nothing wrong. He's the example of suffering for the believer. But we stay thankful by remembering how forgiven we are. Look at verse 18 again. In everything, the good and the bad, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is why I love Wednesday night. I love Wednesday night when we have our prayer meetings. Because we can come together and say, Lord, if this person I'm praying for, if they live or if they die, I give thanks to you. You know how you can give thanks even in a person's death? How can we thank the Lord in somebody's death? If that person's a child of God, they're with the Lord now. That doesn't come from worldly guarantee. The world doesn't teach that kind of stuff. That funeral yesterday, I was talking with uh, Ernie afterwards, and he was just he was like, it was, I've never seen something like that, where people are just so, yes, we're sad, but there's, there's a joyful anticipation. I read 1 Thessalonians 4, and I was talking about, we don't sorrow like the world sorrows. I've been to funerals, I've done funerals in this building where it is, you can feel the heaviness of someone that's passed away and we're just not sure if they trusted on Jesus Christ. That is a hard day. It's a hard day. And as a pastor, you prepare yourself by just telling people the truth. And that's a hard thing to do. But even in that moment, there's a, there's a big difference between the death of somebody you know where they are and the death of somebody you're not sure because the world teaches finality. Look at what's happening today. You know, we, we think when, whenever somebody dies, they just, their soul dies with them. The, body says, or the Bible says the soul is eternal, lasts forever. Where is it going to spend eternity? That's the most important thing that we need to get figured out now. But joy like that, peace like that, that you see here yesterday, that's a supernatural thing. That comes by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4. We're going to focus on certain things here in, in Philippians. I like Philippians because, especially Philippians 4, because it's almost like a math equation. Now, don't get it twisted. I still don't like math. But I like how this is very formulaic in the, in the approach. Look at verse 6. Paul says, be careful for nothing. That's an old way of saying, don't worry about anything. Well, I remember when I was working at Bank of America. This is now 10 years ago. I was working at Bank of America, and I had a desire to know God's word. I already know God's will for my life was to know his word. And there was an opportunity to study here at the college. And I did my very best when I was working at the bank 
to set myself up for this certain promotion that would give me the opportunity to work in the evenings so I could go to school in the morning. And I was so confident that this was my job to get because I prayed for it and somebody quit on the quality control team right around the time when by the time it was fulfilled, I'd be going to school in August. And I was just so deter- I was so convinced in my mind that this was my position. I was just waiting for the call. I did the interview, nailed the interview, felt confident. And then I got an email that everybody gets who wasn't picked. I remember going on break and sitting in these, they had these big comfy chairs in the hallway and I was just burning a hole through the wall. And I was like, but God, this was it. This was supposed to give me the schedule I needed. This was supposed to give me the opportunity to know your word and go to school while not having to switch my jobs and, and you know, just keep everything the same. And I, that just consumed me. That whole week, I was just so devastated. It was like the death of a vision I had experienced. But I remember my wife had a little CD in the car, and we were, we were kind of, we, we had two vehicles, and sometimes I would drive her car, sometimes she would drive my car. And I had forgotten that she had driven my car and left the CD in the CD player. And it's a kid's lullaby thing, and I, I don't know why it was in there. I think my wife was working at the preschool that she was at at the time. I don't know why, but when I started the car, the radio was off, and I went to go turn on the radio just to listen to sports talk radio, and it goes to the first preset, which had been when the car was turned off, which was the CD player. And it was track number three, and it was this song. And I, it was, it's, it's, mind you, it's a kid's lullaby song, so it's very basic. But it just said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Ask him what you need and know the Lord will provide for you. I was driving down Kennedy, and that just hit me, man. It just, I was so, <laughs> I'm thinking back now, and it was just one of those moments where, You realize, regardless of the circumstances, that God is still with you. (laughs) It's just a silly kid song. It's like a minute and a half long. I still, I have that song saved on my playlist. And every time it comes up, it reminds me that God is good. A week later, a week later, I got a call from the church here. The gentleman who was running the bookstore had stepped down. And they wanted to offer me a position at the church. It was significantly less money than what I was making at the bank, but it would enable me to go to school full-time. And the rest is history. To see God work through, but what, what I was cheating myself out of is I was worrying about everything. I had to have the right job at the right time so I could do what I was going to do, and that's, that's the little kid trying to make the cake when, when dad knows what to do. Just Watch dad, he's going to take care of it. No, those little hands want to get in there and do all that stuff. But dad knows what he's doing. Just watch and learn. I cheated myself out of some opportunities there, but I learned a really valuable lesson. Exactly what this verse says. Be careful for nothing. Instead, look at what it says, but in everything, here's the formula, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do you know what this means? You do not only have to pray that the Lord's will is done. You can let your personal requests be known to the Lord. He wants to hear that. 
If you have a desire and you're walking according to God's word, let your dad know that. He wants to hear it. Whether it's in, I don't want to say in the cards because that's not the right term, but whether it's what he wants to do for you or he's asking you to do something else, just trust that he hears you. God's not going to ask you to do something more than what you can bear. Excuse me, I think sometimes we get really afraid of that, right? We're like, oh man, what if he asked me to do this? I can't believe it. You hear the story about missionaries all the time. They're like, I didn't want to be a missionary because I couldn't imagine, you know, going and they think of the worst possible place they could be missionaries. And then they end up being missionaries. And they end up in that place. But God has prepared them to get exactly what they need. I think of the Burns family, Cody and Becca. You know how many hardships they're going through right now? One thing after another, they just want to get back to Papua New Guinea. They just want to get back to taking care. But God's doing something here. He's doing something here. And I love reading their newsletters. And, and they're, they're raw. They tell you, we're, 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 we want to go back. We want to do what God wants us to do. But they recognize, too, he has a calling and purpose for us here. You're still valuable. You still have an opportunity. And to see that, and they let their requests be made known unto God. I, you remember when their youngest was born, he had the uh, issues with the tumors in his brain. That was a serious thing. We brought Benaiah to the Lord week after week after week. Did we not, Carolyn? Yeah, and we put him on the prayer list, and he's doing well. Still has some things that may come down the road, but so now they're ready to go back to Papua New Guinea. Then Becca gets this thing, and she's got something going on that's stopping them from going back. That can be setback after setback, but you can let your, let your request be made known to God. And don't forget the first part of the verse. Look at the first part of the verse. Be careful for nothing. So we're not supposed to be wringing our hands so intently that we're trying to will our will into God's will. Just trust Him. Who better is there to trust? Is God going to snatch something away from you and you go, ha, ha, look at you. That's not how He is. He's all love. We don't understand this kind of father. Even if you had a great dad, we don't understand this kind of father who only is good. That's all that he is. And we have, he's available to us. Man, that'll, that'll change your life. Second thing I want you to see here is we're supposed to stay thankful. Well, excuse me. Let's read verse 7. My apologies. And the presence of God, excuse me, the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Man, you know what that? You have experienced this. I think if you have, if you've been through hardships, you know what this is. Where your problem's not solved. The circumstances are still what they are, but you're at peace. You're content. If you haven't had a chance to experience that, pray more. Pray more. Worry less. Now, sometimes people think, oh, that means I'm just going to stop doing things in my life. No, no. <laughs> Still do things, but the mindset changes. You're not trying to will your will into God's will. I'm just, Lydia, you're sitting right there. We have prayed for Lydia to have stable work for a long time. And we keep praying, we keep praying, and then God provides in his time. She was just sharing with me, I can't remember the details, but I remember you were talking about there was a situation at work where it was going to take you away from church and then they gave two days off where she could still work in the youth group she didn't have to do a thing about that except give it to the lord and she did and it was part of god's will 
she experiences that peace and joy that just comes from letting God do what he needs to do. No better place to be, no better place to be. Second reflection here, first one, stay thankful. Second reflection is give your questions and doubts to God. Look in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. I run a question and answer ministry. That's what I love to do. I just love it. Sometimes I feel bad for Trent because we'll be in there recording and it's just like, we're talking, you know? And, and I'm like, poor Trent, he's got work to do. He's got to do ranch tonight. And I'm just like, you know, bouncing things off. Him. But we have good times together in those recording sessions. Maybe we'll release like a behind the scenes thing where it's just our conversations. But I love question and answer ministries not because it's an opportunity to say, oh, look how smart pastor is. That's, that's not what it is. It's an opportunity to say, look how consistent the word of God is. I mean that. The word is consistent. It's not saying one thing here and saying something else there. The Bible can be understood. You don't need a degree to understand this book, but you need to have cohesive theology. You need to understand that salvation, how do I get to heaven? You just need to trust on Jesus Christ and you receive the free gift of everlasting life, and now you have two natures. You have an old sinful nature, and you have a brand new nature. The old sinful nature can only sin. The new nature cannot sin, and they're against each other all the time. If you can understand that, you've unlocked the Bible. I'm serious. That, that will change everything. Why do I do the silly things that I do? Because you're still a sinner. But now you have a new nature in which you can walk in righteousness, and you need to learn how to walk in that nature. That battle does not determine if you're saved or not. It does determine how effective you are. It determines how God will reward you at the judgment seat of Christ. It affects how you will rule and reign with the Lord. But it does not affect your genuineness. It does not affect your authenticity. It only affects how you grow. You can be a little baby Christian all your life. Or you can grow into a mature believer. But question and answer ministries, they remind us how important it is to rely on the Lord. Don't rely on man and his crafty things. I can't tell you how many times Trent and I have rolled our eyes so hard they almost pop out of our head by some man-made phrase. He gets it more than I do because he works with the comments. I feel like sometimes if, if the comment section were a real place, you would need a full hazmat suit. Sometimes it's like contamination. Careful. Someone just shot at me. I just got here, right? I mean, Trent gets lasered for all, all sorts of stuff. But if we remember to give our questions and doubts to God, look at what it says here in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, just so there's no doubt here, Jesus, the Son of God, he's operating in that high priest role. Let us hold fast our profession. Why do you stay strong? Why do you continue to grow in maturity? Because you have a high priest named Jesus Christ, and he's passed into the heavens for you. For we, can't, we, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. What does this mean? We have a high priest who knows everything that we've gone through. Everything. I learned this from Dr. Gilbert. He's dealt with a lot of hardship in his life, and he was a pastor for a period of time, and he learned when people were going through things that he has not gone through, he, instead of saying, I know how you feel, he says, I'm with you. I'm here. We are with you. And that's good. 
Because you have that presence, right? Sometimes you just need somebody that's just there. Jesus can say, I know how you feel. He can say that. (laughs) There's nobody in the world who can say that like he can. And he's available to us. He was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So here's the second product. The first product is because of that he's the high priest interceding for us. Hold fast. Don't quit. Don't fall away from the faith. But here's the other thing that we should do. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Bust into the room and you can say, Dad, I need help. And he's there. It's very encouraging stuff. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Lord's bringing things to my mind, even right now tonight. Many of you, we've prayed for. And I know in the moment that we pray, you can experience satisfaction. Even though the request is yet to be answered. We know God has heard us and he can do something about it. These things are so very important. By the way, when I get emotional and, I'm, and I, I moved up here, it's not because I'm sad. I am, over, I am so happy. Uh, I'm not happy. Joyful to know how fully forgiven I am. And to know that this life with all of the stuff out there, all the wickedness out there, the horrible things that are happening to people, I know Jesus. And He knows me. What could the world do to me? Seriously, what could happen? Oh, they could kill you. Now I'll see him. I know, it's a little macabre, right? It's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? You could die. Well, <laughs> we're going to be with him, folks. I'm not saying you go out there looking to die. But know that that's how this all figures out. Regardless of how well you do here, that's the end result. Look in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Page 13, 15. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him because he said so. Now, now as mom and dad, we can, we can like that phrase, right? Because I said so. Because I said so. But what's the reason why we cast our care? He cares for us. You realize how uncommon that is in world religions? Where the deity in that system cares for the creation? Go study some of the gruesome texts in the Quran about the relationship between their depiction of God and them as a follower. It's gruesome. It's cold. It's... I think the best word to describe it is callous. As a guitar player, I know what it's like to have calluses. There are, there are parts of my fingertips that it's just like, can't feel a thing, you know? Because I've been practicing the guitar and pressing on those strings for years and years and years. I look at the depiction of the Islamic God, and it's calloused. Buddha, calloused. All these things that they say They say it because it's for their own self-preservation. God didn't just tell us what to do. He did it for us. 
because he cares. A better word, which is used in Scripture, is he loves. So now the operation here for Christian service, in view of the fact that Jesus is coming back, as you go through and accumulate burdens in this life, bring them to the Lord and leave them there. Here's what I think a lot of people do. They got their sack of problems, right? Go to the Lord. Boom! They put it down on the altar and then they... And walk right back out with it. All they've done is the ritual of asking God. But they pick their cares right back up. Leave them right there. He can handle it. He did handle it for us on the cross. Third thing. Be consistent where it counts. Some days, all you can do is just get up and go, right? You don't have time to prepare. You don't have time to set yourself up for success. Sometimes the grief that we experience, it affects us physically. It's a hard thing to just go and get out of the house. In those days, be consistent where it counts. What it, where does it count? There's four areas I firmly believe this is a great solution to Christian growth. There are four areas to protect and thrive in. It's just four. The first thing is, allow God to talk to you. That's through studying the Word. And you study the Word in two ways. Devotionally, which is just with the intent of, Lord, open my eye and reveal to me what you want. You study God's Word that way. And then, of course, there's the academic way, where you got a, you got a, something to write with and you're circling subjects, you're circling nouns, adjectives, verbs, trying to see what's, what's the main point here, writing a summary, all those different things. The second thing is you talk to the Lord, and that's through prayer. It is the most underrated form of communication that we have. I think oftentimes we go to people in the body of Christ before we ever come to the Lord. Learn how to go to Him first. The third area is regular Christian fellowship. And yes, I do believe this is best experienced by being in church. The Simmersons were here on Wednesday night, and when Caleb had a chance to make a prayer request, his request was, I'm thankful to be here where the gospel is preached. They're only here for a little bit of time. They're going to be going back to Michigan, right? They're here, and they're in ministry. They know what it's like, and what it's like to have nowhere to suggest people, because all the doctrine turns out poorly. If you have an opportunity, if the church doors are open, it's my belief, and I don't hold this standard on people, but I think if you want success, you are here when the church is here. Church is open, I'm there. Now, I'm not judging you if you don't come to church all the time, but I'm saying, think about why you're not. Because this is a wonderful opportunity to study God's Word, and then look at people like, like what I was just going through today, I'm thinking of each one of you, things we've prayed for. Like, I think... Kaylee as an example. I remember months ago when she was like, I haven't played the piano in a long time, but I'm willing to learn. And then she played the piano for us tonight. We prayed for her several Wednesday nights. It's good to see God working in her life. I wouldn't know that if I wasn't here as often as I am. Now, I'm supposed to be here, right? You think, well, pastor, if you just start coming sporadically, that's a problem. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. In all seriousness, isn't it problematic if we're not here consistently? It's not just my responsibility because I'm the pastor and, I, and I, that's a part of my job. 
We're all a part of the body of Christ. That's that third part, regular Christian fellowship. And the fourth one is getting the message out to a lost and dying world. That's soul winning. Be a person that's pocket is so off of their body because it's loaded with tracks. You know what I'm saying? And get those things out to people. Gene Greeson, you guys know Gene. He doesn't come as often because he lives in Largo and he has some health issues, but that man's in a, he is in a prison every other weekend. He wrote a track for waiters and waitresses, specifically thanking them for being on their feet and making comparisons, drawing all things, so that he can give them the gospel. And then he tips very well so that that message is received. You know, Gene had to take time to write that out, go through drafts, get opinions on it, get the right scriptures. You think that's worth it? That's a part of his ministry. Those four areas, prayer, Bible study, Christian fellowship, and soul winning. You work on those four things. The Lord will work through you. What's the motivation for all those things? You got to love the Lord, baby. You got to love the Lord and recognize I can only do these things because he loved me first. Amen? Your growth will go exponentially. I see it in my own life. Dr. Ronald pulled me in the office that's now my office, and he said, why don't you come to church as, as, as often? I know you're only like five or six minutes away. Well, I was scheduling golf games in the afternoons on Sundays, and I couldn't make it back here in time. And then, you know, I would give the excuse, well, when I get home on Wednesday nights, you know, I don't have enough time. I had two and a half hours to get here. You know, I, I knew, I knew what the excuses were. I could tell you, but he cut right to the heart of it. So I told Kylie, made a decision. When the doors are open, we'll be here. Our lives changed. Because I started to see that Pastor Arnold, he doesn't just know the gospel. Boy, we went through, we went through verse by verse through Acts, and I was like, that's a good book. <laughs> I like that. You know when we did that? Sunday nights. The nights that I was missing. Started being here. Started putting the Lord first. And all of a sudden, things started to change. Look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Paul says here, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Here's the question. Is the first part of that verse, is it conditional or is it unconditional? It's unconditional. We do live in the Spirit. We have a spirit nature. Born again. But what he's saying is, if the unconditional, if we live in the Spirit, is true, then it should affect the conditional. What's the conditional part of this verse? Let us also walk. That's a verb. That's something that you do. We're living in the Spirit. We have the new nature. We should also walk in the Spirit. The reason why he's saying this is because there was, look at verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed of one another. The bitterness and contention in these churches in the region of Galatia was so hot that it was about to destroy them and they were just going to remove themselves from being effective. Christians can do that to one another? (laughs) Let me just say, so there's no question. Yes, 
And like I said in the beginning of the message, and it's the worst form of attack. It really is. Think about when your body attacks itself. That's a major health crisis. You want that to stop. Boy, I think that the Lord feels the same way when his children are hurting each other. Not good. Not a good thing. I want to read these next few verses to you. Be consistent where it counts. You saw that verse there in Galatians 5.25. I'm going to read these verses to you. Here's the last point. Seek the truth, study the truth, and know the truth. Let me read these to you here. Galatians, excuse me, Deuteronomy 32.4 says this. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. There will be no one that stands in judgment of God and accuses him of wrongdoing. I believe that. There are a lot of people who don't. Now that's on them. But this verse right here tells us everything that God does is correct. Yes, sir. And my note here is 32.4. Deuteronomy 32.4. For time, we didn't go there. But that's a great reminder that God does not have maliciousness within him. He does not have deceitfulness that is there and available, but he just chooses not to use it. First John tells us, in him, God is light. In him is no darkness. None. Here's another passage. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. A-W-A-N-A. Awana, right? Approved workmen are not, what? Ashamed. Your children are back there learning God's word. And I don't mean that they're learning it in little pictures and flannel graphs and all that. They're memorizing God's Word. Because the workman that is not ashamed is the one that can rightly divide the Word of truth. Do you know why Awana as a whole is being attacked? Because it's effective. That's why. There are churches saying, well, the Awana model is old. Art, Art Roerheim, the one who you know, brought it in, like he didn't... He, that was good for his time. Are we saying the Word of God's not good for our kids? I'd rather my kids learn God's Word than anything else. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. A lot of people just kind of blow this out into the apologetic realm, right? You know, you got, I can't think of the guy's names off the top of my head, but maybe it's, is it William Lane Craig? Trent knows. Yeah, that, he's like big. This guy's big, and that's, that's, I get that. But a lot of people kind of use this verse to say, this is all about science and proving and all sorts of stuff. I like the focus here in the middle of that verse. I'm going to read it to you again. Set apart, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, your mind, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason, this is the focus, of the hope. I think the primary operation of 1 Peter 3.15 is when people ask you why you are the way that you are, 
You tell him because of the shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, whose name is Jesus Christ, he paid for all my sins. And you do that in the attitude of meekness and fear, not knees shaken, respectful. But you know why you are who you are. I've said before, if you have an audience with the President of the United States, if you had 10 minutes with him tonight, do you know what you'd say? Oh, I'd be, oh I'll give him a piece of my mind, you know. Really? Is that the most important thing? We need to chew him out for what he already knows? He needs the gospel, just like anybody else does. You start thinking that way, you realize the cares of this world are not supposed to be my cares. That doesn't mean you go, you know, you just turn a blind eye when it comes to voting or politics, but that does not consume you. You know what's sad is a lot of news channels are now affiliated with religious tones, right? It's like, well, if you're a Christian, you watch Fox News. Really? Is that what this is boiled down to? If you're a Christian, you vote Republican. If you're not, you vote Democrat. That's not who we are, folks. As a child of God, you stand for his principles. And whatever party falls along those lines, well, guess what? And guess what? I haven't found a good party yet. How's that? You know who I vote for? Jesus. I don't know when he's going to get here. But I have thought about that, putting that on a bumper sticker on my car. Jesus. 20-something. Right? <laughs> he's the one that's going to make all things right. You think he's up there going, oh man, we don't have the right guy in office. How are we going to do this? No. He's got everything in control. And we're getting exactly what our country deserves. This is, this is what we have voted in. Now, does that mean we as Christians, we just fall apart now and we just got to fight the political battle? We do not battle against flesh and blood. We battle against the unseen things, the things, spiritual wickedness in high places. You take care of that stuff. You go to the Lord, put on the whole armor of God. We're doing a series on that on Wednesday nights. Now this Wednesday night, we're going to do something different. But we're doing a series on each one of those pieces you got to be ready, ready to fight. That doesn't mean you go looking to fight people, but it's not people that we have problems with. It's spiritual wickedness. You know how your attitude should be towards people? I love you. And even though they say, I hate you, you say, I love you. And you tell them the gospel. Because you were an enemy of God, and he forgave your sin. He shed his blood for your sin. How many of us are willing to put our children's lives to pay for the sin of the world? None of us would do that. You know why? Because none of our children could do that. Even if we did sacrifice our children to pay for the sins of the world, it couldn't pay for the sins of the world. But Jesus can and did. That's one of the realest tragedies about hell is that people die and they don't have to go there. There's a payment that's already made. It's waiting to be applied. It's just, I think we can get distracted. I really do. And that, that news starts wrapping around, man, and we're, we're the ones that are doing it sometimes. Seek the truth, study the truth, know the truth, and then do what it says to do. Amen? Let's close our Bibles.
I want to share with you the most important news in all the world because this is where it's all at. Everything that I've talked about tonight, it starts with this. I'm going to let this hand represent you and me, and I'll let this block of sin represent sin. I'm very thankful to Gil who made these because it's a very good way to illustrate what we're talking about. This is how you can know for sure tonight, before you walk out of here, you can know I'm going to heaven. I put this sin on top of my hand, which represents you and me and everybody in the whole world, because guess what? We're all sinners. God, he loves us, but he hates sin because it separates us from him. You have to be absolutely perfect to get to heaven. And people don't get that. They say, well, I'm good to man's standard. Well, you might be, but in the eyes of God, one sins, that's enough. And it's not, well, starting today, what's today? November 19th, 2023, I'll never sin again. Even if you could do that, you had sin November 18th. You got to pay for that. All have fallen short. The payment for sin, the consequence is eternal separation forever in a literal fire-burning hell away from God. No second chances. There are people that experience that today. That ought to not sit well with us. Especially when there's a way that they could escape that. Now religion comes in. Organized religion. It says, if you go to church, if you start this and stop this and turn from these and commit this and give that, then you'll go to heaven. But that's not the wages, the payment of sin. Somebody has to die for this. The Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we could earn our salvation, we'd be able to stand next to the sinless, perfect, eternal Son of God and say, I did it just like he did it. Really? You know, deep down, you could never do that. We have a problem. This condemns us. Nothing we can do to work it off. There's no payment plan for this. This hand represents Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Because God loves us. And that's everybody, folks, not just the best of us. The best of us, the worst of us. He loved the whole world. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. You know that. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again three days later. But do you know why he did that? He told a religious leader, Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, Jesus said, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever, and here's how you experience salvation. It's a one-time thing. It can happen instantaneously. Whosoever, anybody, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The way to get to heaven is not some hard road of good works and uh, abstaining from things, giving money and living a self-sacrificing life. That's not the way to get to heaven. The way to heaven is, I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, shed His blood on the cross, was buried and rose again. I believe He did that for me. When you believe on Him, you receive everlasting life. And if it's everlasting, by definition, it will not be removed. Otherwise, it is misdefined. Everlasting means everlasting, which means everlasting, which means it lasts forever. That's great news. How do you receive that? Like you would receive a gift. Believe. The moment you do, 
It's all taken care of. Born again. You got a new nature. You got an old nature. They don't like each other. Tough. That's the Christian life. But you can know right now. I'm going to heaven. How do you know? I've put my trust in Jesus Christ. He paid for all my sins. I know there's no way that I could end up going in hell in this life. There's no way. I was like, wow, that's kind of bold of you. What if you did X, Y, and Z? Well, Jesus paid for it. He paid for it all. So you're telling me I should live that way? No. But what I am telling you is he paid for all the sin. So I know I'm going to heaven. That's why I do what I do, because I am fully forgiven. There's no other way. Otherwise, I would serve God out of fear. Scared, right? I serve him now out of pure love and thankfulness. I want that for you. If you would, right where you are, put your trust in Jesus Christ. The moment that you do, God says, Jesus said later on in John chapter 5, you're passed from death unto life, you'll never be brought into condemnation again. When he said never, that's what he meant. You'll never be put where God goes, that's it. You need to get saved again. This is gone. The moment that you believe on Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed before James comes up and leads us in a closing song. If you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, before I walked in here, I was not sure that I was going to go to heaven. But now, I understand that what Jesus, the Son of God, did was for me. He paid for all of my sin. And I'm putting my trust in Him. If that's you tonight, then you just got saved. You might not feel any different. You might feel relieved. It doesn't matter how you feel. That doesn't determine the fact of God's Word. But if you're here tonight and you put your trust in Jesus Christ for the first time in your life, you say, this makes sense. I, I, I know I'm going to heaven now because Jesus paid for all my sin and I believe it. Would you just raise your hand and let me know? That doesn't save you and there's no pressure here, but I, I really want to pray for you. Today is an important day. Is there anyone that would just slip up their hand and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I just got saved. Anyone before we close? Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know to pray for you before we close. Anyone at all? Heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. If you're here tonight and you're already a child of God, we need reminders. Sometimes we need to look back and see what God has brought us through as a reminder that he can bring us through the times we're in now. I pray this has been an encouragement to you. You are an encouragement to me. And I do not say that frivolously. When I see you, I'm encouraged. And I'm thankful. Father, I, I thank you for all that you have done in my life and in the lives of the ones here tonight. Thankful for that program in the back with faithful men and women working with littles to help them see what you have shown them. Thank you for James, the work that he does with our music department, for Kaylee and for Dana as they faithfully play the piano for us. We pray for Miss Gilbert that she would have a full recovery and she'd also be able to help us again. Lord, I thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, who has paid for all of our sin. Pray that we can see him soon. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.